This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data, analytics, and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures, while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Peggy Sai, who is the VP of Data Solutions at a company called Big ID. Uh, Peggy is also one of the top 50 women in tech influencers of 2020 and the co-author of the AI book. So, Peggy, delighted to have you with us. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Kyle. It's great to be here today. Good. Good. Um, so look, really appreciate your time. I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into the topic, but obviously where we always ask our guests to start is, um, you know, a brief introduction to themselves and I guess a little bit about your background and journey to date in terms of how you've ended up right here at this very moment. Sure. So I started out uh, with a um, undergraduate studies here in the U.S. I studied economics and around that time, I, I knew that I was passionate about finding a career where it would leverage my communication, business skills, but also working with technology. So sort of bridging the gap between business and technology. And so I've spent the last um, uh, 18 years of my career in the financial services industry, and specifically in the last 10 years, um, in data governance. And this is an area where I feel the, the gaps are between um, understanding what the technical uh, requirements are for a lot of uh, business use cases, and then the business users not really understanding what the technical limitations are. So I felt that governance was a place where I could certainly leverage my communication skills and team skills and really work towards uh, collaboration, um, build a framework which involves the right stakeholders to um, uh, gain consistency and standards in um, business terms and metrics, um, agree upon processes, improving, uh, improving upon processes in order to understand the management of data. Um, so this is uh, what I've been really focusing on in the last 10 years around data strategy, operationalizing data management programs, um, a lot of it has been aligned with um, some of the uh, regulation events. Um, working in financial industry, a lot of it has been around CCAR and Basel and BCBS 239. These are the, some of the bigger regulations that affected how um, banks um, were forced to um, and create mandates for data governance. And then more recently with um, in 2016 with uh, GDPR, um, the global uh, data regulations in the EU and certainly in the uh, United States, the California Protection Act um, certainly helped drove the way that many organizations say think about their data from a privacy perspective. Um, so 
due to the shift, I think I felt in the nature of the way data management teams were being run. Certainly I felt um, I wanted an opportunity to, to work on a product that can actually problems that I felt as a former persona in data management. And I wanted to um, build a product that was uh, fulfilling a lot of the privacy needs and regulations and also um, build a, a product that would leverage AI and machine learning. Interesting. Thank you very much for for the insight. Um, so, I guess just to give the listener a bit of, of, of a, an overview, obviously, you know, a long time in the financial services space up until recently when you've kind of gone vendor side, product related in the privacy space, specifically okay. around data governance. Just give them a, you know, a bit of a, an overview of the types of organizations you, you've, you've worked for previously. Sure. So, um I'll work backwards in time. So most recently in 2019, I was at uh, Morgan Stanley on the wealth management side where I helped run the uh, data governance program for wealth management. And that involved um, uh, managing uh, business data stewards who own the data glossary portion of uh, the program. I also work closely with our technology team who ran our data quality metrics and then also another data technology team that helped with data remediation. Uh, so those were the three core components of our um, data governance program. And I helped oversee that and run that and also um, helped run the uh, executive steering committees. That's part of our data governance framework as well. Uh, I also supported our data scientist team who also interestingly enough had data governance needs and requirements. So it was very interesting to um, put the traditional data governance model on top of a, a data science and analytics team because they are much more agile, they have different requirements and their speed um, to realizing value is, is much um, different than the traditional ways of building a data governance program. Um, prior to that, I was at um, AIG, a global insurance company. And that's where I really worked on uh, local um, regulations for Latin America, um, regulations like anti-money laundering and KYC, which is heavily involved around customer data and really knowing the, the complete breadth and depth of customer data that we were collecting and understanding how it's being used. So building a customer master was a, was a re core project. And then also around that time was um, the release of GDPR. So really taking our existing data management processes and making sure that we had all our business processes documented, our data flows documented in a way to help understand um, our processing activities in, um, in the European Union. And then prior to that, I spent uh, a short stint again at Morgan Stanley on the institutional side. Um, then. That was more focusing on BCBS 239. Um, and then prior to that, I spent nine years uh, at uh, S&P Global, which is a, a rating agency. Um, and that's where I was really able to uh, work on all parts on, on the business side, the data side, and the technology side, doing many things uh, around data centralization, data operationalization, and um, business intelligence. So that's really where I learned a lot of my um, data skills today. Nice. Yep. So obviously some some very big 
names there um, across the world of financial services that you've worked in and held very senior roles at. So thanks for kind of giving us that that insight. So I guess to the present day. So Big ID, tell us tell us a little bit about the business, um, and then if you don't mind, a little bit about you know what your role entails, where you sat within the organisation, and, and I guess more so out of curiosity. Why? Why now? Why after so long in the financial services space, was it time for you to, to kind of move into, you know, this type of organization, which has been so different to what you've done before, right? Sure. So the, I'll unpack that question a little bit. Um, so Big ID is a data intelligence platform. At the core of the Big ID technology is data discovery. And that's something that leverages um, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, in an automated way to um, scan and discover all types of data that an organization has. Uh, if you think about the, the lot of many global um, companies today, they have all types of data in, in the structured relational database, but they also have data in, in the lake cloud environments. They have data that's in you know, emails, you know, Google, they have, un- these are unstructured documents. These are files, these are Excel, PowerPoints, you know, Word documents. To really understand um, what actual content uh, is residing inside these files, inside these uh, tables and columns, um, you know, traditionally data governance teams um, would have to open the file, look at it and apply a, a label this is all manual process or a technology team would actually have to do that to do that themselves. So it involves manual work. And you think about all the data that's being created um, today, a lot of it is, is unstructured, it's unlabeled, and that is an untapped resource. Um, uh, it's untapped ability for a new data set that data scientists can actually leverage for their um, reporting or for their models, but also poses a big risk for a lot of our compliance uh, re, um, risk officers and our compliance uh, and our privacy officers, because they don't know exactly what companies are storing and retaining. Um, this is po- potentially information that we should be purging, especially if we're collecting too much information on behalf of a customer or employee that's beyond the, the legal jurisdictions. Um, so. Big ID helps solve this problem by offering a a solution that helps to automatically discover this information. We catalog all all our insights that we gather. We do um, out of the box uh, classifications so we can automatically tag and label the content of this information. And we also apply other techniques called correlation and clustering to really help understand um, things like uh, how many duplicate files you may have and how many very similar like files you may have. And that helps with data minimization, which is another core privacy concept. Um, So that's what Big ID is. We've been around for almost five years um, and we serve global customers from finance, from retail to telecom. um, So a broad range of industries and which they all first started out, interestingly enough, with um, wanting to comply with GDPR and, and CCPA, and those are the two regulations I talked about earlier. It started out with that, but then this year, and um, certainly the capabilities that we're bringing in terms of a discovery and depth capability 
it really applies to governance uh, use cases and the chief data officer persona. Um, these are the people that actually have to implement and um, you know, they're the ones that actually take charge and take action to the policy laws that have been defined. So they have to actually take action on this. So they are looking to, to Big ID's ability to build this collective inventory asset um, and use that as a starting point for, for governance. Um, and that's been really exciting for us because for me personally, because as the VP of data solutions, I help explain and translate um, how our product and her how our technology really fits into many governance frameworks today that organizations have and how we can help accelerate a lot of the manual data governance activities, how we can bring more controls and assurance around a lot of the data governance work that's um, being done. And again, a lot of it because our technology is based on AI machine learning, it's automated. So taking away the manual tasks that data stewards use is first and foremost uh, a, a big selling point, but then the ability to classify the data automatically um, is another big plus for, for um, organizations that do this manually or just don't even have an understanding of what data they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, answer two out of the three questions. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll kind of pick into into the, the last bit in a second. But um, I mean that's that's fascinating that you've got to a stage where there's effectively a product for that, right? Because I think there's so much talk in the industry, um, and I guess we'll get into the whole resurgence of the, the data governance and data management piece in in a second. But um, you know, there's so much talk in the industry around being able to have access. To the right type of data and it looks like so through the use of technology you know you've created a effectively an ai solution which can discover data that organizations don't even know that they have or if they do they don't know where to go and find it they can classify it which obviously helps not only from a analytics standpoint in terms of what they can do through the use of that data but obviously from a protection and governance aspect as well right and exactly and a lot of our customers um they believe they have a good data governance program, but fundamentally, they don't know what their data is. They don't know where their data is. And thirdly, they don't know the quality of that data to even start to consume it or use it. So that's that, those are scary questions, and but those are very basic questions because not even knowing what data they have um, is, is scary. And I like to, I always use the analogy of an iceberg. Um, when explaining the data assets to, to any organization. Um, you know, it's, it's only the very top of the iceberg. It's probably 20% of the iceberg that you see. And that's the data that's stored in your relational database. That's what technology um, system owners know because that's what they documented in their data dictionaries and in their Irwin models. That's what they know, but it's underneath. It's the iceberg that's, um, that's below the water, the 80%. Um, that's that's all the, the files, the text files, the emails, documents, you know, imagine how many Word documents, things that are in people's SharePoints. Um, it's, it's a huge mess, right? It's people really don't know what or where that information is, what's actually being collected and stored. 
So that's the, you know, the opportunity and also the, the risk. Um, so just creating a complete asset inventory is step number one that many organizations are attempting to do. And they're either doing it manually or they're, o- they're only scoping it to a very limited set of their complete data. So that's the first step. And that's, that's really where we see AI and machine learning really being able to, to help and infuse and really accelerate and, and make that process go much more seamlessly easier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it sounds like, I mean, and I've had guests on this podcast previously where the topic we've discussed has been around how organizations get to the single source of truth or the single view of their their reality. Um, and obviously that's a very painful process for a lot of organizations, right? So it seems like your product is effectively helping them do just that by bringing in all of that data from everywhere across the organization and not just the bit that they can see. Okay. Exactly. So. It's a, I love that term, single source of truth. We like to say single source of reference um, because truth is an eye of beholder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Different departments will say, this is my truth. This is my final number for sales. And another department finance will have different calculations, say, this is my truth. So really, a single source of reference is a broader way of explaining it because this is the starting point for all business units, um, data analysts to start, you know, to start calling and reporting on. Um, and then also um, a single source of truth, a single source, single repository um, is really a great way to think about it as not just structured data, but also uh, highlighting the fact that unstructured is, uh, is a key component of the asset inventory. Yeah, absolutely. So keen to try and explore this a little bit and obviously get your understanding and an opinion on a, on a few things regarding the whole governance and privacy piece and how that fits in with the advanced analytics and, and AI and stuff like that. But I guess just to repurpose the question to you. So what, why, why now? Um, and I know that you touched upon it earlier around you'd been on the other side of the fence and faced those problems internally. So I presume that's got something to do with it. But but why move from in industry where you spent such a long time to effectively move to a, a vendor, which, you know, five years, relatively new startup-esque, uh, I, I guess? Yes. Um, well, great question. And I think that has to do with, uh, first and foremost, um, what I love to do personally is, is always been around data, um, finding the right technologies to solve the fundamental data issues that I always had to grasp with. Um, so it's it's difficult, um, you know, working for an organization, um, you know, there's limitations around, you know, technology and budget to always bring in the right latest technology, right? So just over the, you know, Prior to joining Big ID, um, you know, I, I realized that there's um, trends in um, AI machine learning that's going to be transformative, and I realized that um, privacy was going to be um, this game changer for everyone, for all organizations. And I wanted to be, and I'm the type of person that I want to be in the forefront of that, right? So I wanted to um, really be able to take control and really be able to um, steer the direction of, of how things are going to, going to shape out. 
Um, so that's why I decided to, you know, take on a new challenge, uh, you know, uh, take, take on a new uh, opportunity where I could work for a, uh, an emerging organization like, like Big ID, where I, I, you know, strongly felt you know, we, could, we can transform the privacy and, and data space. Um, and knowing the fact that it's not just, um, you know, EU and California and the United States that's going to have a privacy. There's certainly in, in Africa, Japan, India, Canada, many, many countries are uh, putting forth a protection, lo- um, protection law. And even in the United States, many states, um, in addition to California, already are, you know, have a, a bill in place. Um, so it's it's very interesting. It's, it's emerging um, the fact that all these laws are actually different in nature in terms of how and what personal what constitutes personal information. And so the fact that it all hinges on data, the fact that it all hinges on ability to classify, label, and govern data better. For me, this is the nirvana. This is really the epitome of what makes things interesting and, and lively for me from a governance perspective. So uh, imagine the opportunity that I had to build a product to solve that problem for many organizations, not just the one that I work for, you know, being doing it on a larger and grander scale. So these were all very um, exciting factors for me and ability to help in, you know, more organizations reach their compliance level in terms of privacy and also doing it in a way that can uh, leverage data governance, um, build upon their existing governance programs. Um, so, so yes, those those were all the, the factors and I think it just could not have come at a better time, um, especially considering where we are in, in the world in terms of, you know, even things like events like COVID, right? It all hinges upon better data governance, better data lineage, um, data provenance. Like it's, these are data quality, um, people questioning the quality of the data. So <laughs> it's it's so fascinating for me. And um, and I, as I talk to more of my friends and colleagues who are not in the data space, they understand uh, that these these things are it's starting to hit home. These are real things that matter to them. You know, data is starting to be real for more people. And then if you read in the news and data breaches, you know, like some credit card company got hacked, some your favorite retailer, got hacked all the credit cards, um, you know, information you gave to them, you know, are stolen, you know, identity theft, like these are now real tangible data issues people can relate to, hits close to home, and can be solved with better data governance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, the the reasons when you boil all that down is there's an opportunity for you to effectively innovate Right in terms of the way the industry moves forward um, through the products that that you and, and Big ID are effectively able to build to solve the problems that you faced when you were on the other side of that that fence. Um, and as you as you rightly said, you know the I think that the world in general um, is becoming a lot more savvy in terms of data um, and kind of tying back to that, you know, to, to their own personal lives, which which makes perfect sense. So obviously spent a lot of time in the governance space, Peggy. Um, over the last 10 years, especially the last five years, obviously there's been this huge 
spike, if you want to call it that, around artificial intelligence and machine learning and how businesses focus their attention on trying to drive business value from that. And I guess what I see a lot of is, you know, businesses that they're at the start of that journey with data and analytics, and they kind of see the perceived value in some of the, you know, sexier stuff for want of a better term, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of that type of stuff. That's, that's where they believe that the value is. Um, and often, you know, they go from zero to a hundred very quickly or, or try to. Um, and a lot of the frameworks and governance and found the foundations effectively are probably not in the place that they need them to be to kind of see the true value from that. And, and I think what's happened this last year, especially, I've noticed, you know, there's been a, a kind of a huge resurgence on some of the more foundational aspects like data privacy and data governance and data management and all of that type of stuff. So I'm just curious to know, really, obviously, you being so involved in this space, wh- why do you think that is? is? Is there anything that you've seen as to why that's occurred? Um, you know, and we're kind of on this a bit of a bit of a trend back towards the data management and governance piece being so important. Yeah, so I mean, I like I like to actually uh, refer to a conversation um, I had recently that many organizations feel that AI and machine learning and some of the new products out there are the shiny new toys, right? Um, and to some extent, uh, certainly I could see why uh, organizations are attracted to shiny new toys because they feel that it's something that they should be latching on to and if their peers are doing it, they should be doing it too. But there's um, obviously some, you know, that's not always the best uh, solution um, because fundamentally, if um, organizations don't have, um, you know, the right processes and people um, in place to know what their governance program should look like and how, um, what the value drivers are, what exact business use cases, problems they wanna solve with data. If they don't have, again, the foundations of of that right, then um, it doesn't matter what they do after that in terms of chasing or new technology. It's just the outcomes are not going to be what they expect it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Because fundamentally, um, you know, things, as I mentioned earlier, just knowing what your assets are in the, across the organization, knowing who the data owners are, having a, a, a process that can help um, measure the quality of that data, um, a process for remediating the data. These are core fundamental things that um, many organizations either leave to an operations team to run um, and if they don't have that full support of business and technology, um, the scope of that work is going to be very limited. And then people are going to say, well, that data dictionary they built for me is not complete, so I can't use it. Um, so it's almost like a, a cyclical problem because if you if organizations don't spend the time and funding to build these um, fundamental assets, um, then of course it's going to look half complete because essentially it is half complete. Um, and but in order to do so, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes people to uh, and collaboration to to make sure that it's something that's um, fully fully usable. Um, 
and things like, you know, good analytics, good, good modeling results. Um, you know, these are the, the, the outward things, the sexy things that people see and want as outcomes and, you know, a, a great, a big fancy dashboard, um, that you can show to an executive on how the company is operating, but all hinges on the, the data and making sure you're using the right data source and the quality of that data is complete, um, you know, and excluding any factors that may skew the results. So it's a lot of, of it is um, people realizing that, um, that the outcomes that they expected from these shiny new things are not what they expected. And they have to really dial it back down to the fundamentals of, of a basic data governance. Um, and another thing that I like to talk about, especially with the changing you know, regulations, um, you know, whether it's in the financial industry or in healthcare, um, really being able to, to know your data better in order to create the reports and to show documentation and evidence to the regulators that you are in compliance. It's very difficult to do if you build a very specific report and solution that's customized to that regulation, because we all know new regulations are added all the time or being changed or reporting requirements change. In order to retrofit your resources, your uh, reporting structure each time, is not um, feasible, it's not you know, efficient, um, it's, it's gonna take more time um, to, to do that. Um, so being able to, to do things right from the very start allows organizations to be more proactive, more flexible, more scalable, and more ultimately more agile to comply with new regulations and new needs for the business as well. It's not all just about regulations, it's about meeting the requirements, the business needs for, for the data. Um, so you wanna have this good foundation that can be scalable and extendable to all these types of situations. Yeah, now that makes absolute sense. And I guess um, had uh, Scott Taylor on the podcast previously, who obviously, you know, is very big in the data storytelling for data management world. And we're having a conversation very recently around, you know, how we need to get analytics and the, the whole and data kind of working together because there's a common goal but often it's kind of seen quite as a bit of a competitive landscape between the two and there probably needs to be a little bit more acceptance from both sides that you know without the the core foundations then the analytics won't work um, but equally it's really important that you know the data is there for the analytics to kind of take shape and obviously provide some 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 value um which was a, an intriguing conversation, as you'd uh, imagine from from Scott. But um, I guess you know, to the point of of the governance piece on this, you know, of course, yes, that allows you know garbage in, garbage out, right? So if the if the data is right, then you know that allows for better analytics. But also on the privacy side, um, you know, on the security side, it makes for you know much better defense, shall we say, uh, in, in that regard. So. I know one of your kind of, um, you know, subject matter expert topics, Peggy, is around the structure of getting these kind of teams within a data organization working together, you know, and, and I guess in terms of the structure and, and how they're positioned, 
I guess for many organizations, data privacy, for example, is often housed separately from data, which is generally housed separately in some way, shape or form from analytics. How do you kind of get them working together? How do you get them on that journey that there's a common goal here? We're not kind of fighting against each other and, you know, let's all pull in the same direction, so to speak. Yes, I mean, that's a great question. And I think for the most part, um, the roles and responsibilities of a privacy team and a data management team is, is pretty clear. I mean, or, or, or it should be. And <laughs> I've seen it for the most part is, you know, a, a privacy team that um, may or may not have a chief privacy officer, but the privacy team, they're the ones that, um, that interpret the regulations like GDPR, they interpret how it should be implemented within the organization. So they're the policy, um, you know, they set the policy, they, they, they state what it is, they explain it, they translate it for the company, but they have no um, uh, interaction with the actual data itself. So if the GDPR policy says we need to find all personal data, and we need to start tagging it. So being able to tag um, an email address, for example, and classify it as you know sensitive data, that's something a privacy team you know just puts in words and states that it should be done. But it's the actual data data governance data management team that works with the privacy team, understands okay, this is what you need me to do. I will then look inside my business glossary and my tables and I will start marking off the ones that are, you know, you, you call it email address. I'll, I'll give it a label of sensitive, you know, so it's, it's actually executing on the directions um, that's given by the privacy team. So many customers that we talk to privacy and governance, they, they work very closely hand in hand. Um, they're good partners and from a data management governance perspective, that's important. They need, they need to have these stakeholders, these business stakeholders, whether it's in privacy or a risk, compliance, legal, these are all the um, team stakeholders that give them the instructions on how to run the management program for the company. Yeah, uh, absolutely makes, um, makes sense. I guess in terms of, how that privacy and management and governance teams kind of work together. Obviously you gave a a very great example there of some of the types of things, but are there, are there bigger, bigger kind of picture things than that in terms of the type of activities that these teams, you know, tackle together or or does it seldomly work like that? Is it a case of, as you said, you know, here's, here's the policy, here's what we need to do with the data, you know, move it on. Now it's your problem. So, so, so to speak. No, I no. Actually, the example I gave is one where they are working together, because it's not just a one-time throw it over the wall. Here's your yeah. problem now, data team. It's a continuous conversation um, to uh, continuously follow the, the instructions and also to to make sure. And the privacy team can also, you know, you know, check as well that um, what the data management team has documented fulfills the requirements of, of the regulation. So I see it as a very close-knit um, and ongoing collaboration. And um, interestingly enough, a lot of chief data officers now have the some of the privacy teams working underneath them. 
So they, some organizations have actually seen this as not just two separate uh, teams, but actually one falling under falling under data, falling under data. Um, or a lot of chief data officers are formerly chief privacy officers. Um, so it's actually a lot of uh, gelling between um, both of these roles, which um, previously were more distinct and now have actually um, formed, formed into one. So that's actually a, a very interesting trend that I've been seeing in, in the industry as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess um, talking about definition of roles, and this is something that fascinates me, obviously, the work that I do, you know, we work um, a lot across the US, but across the UK as well. And I think, um, you know, I ask this question quite a lot um, because it fascinates me, but you know, the, the US seems to aggressively adopt new things, you know, so for example, the CDO title um, in the UK is still in its infancy and probably across Europe, that's probably fair to say. Whereas in the US, obviously, you know, it's been around much longer. We've got to the point now where we're putting the the CDAO in, in the title and even organizations now that have gone the other way and, you know, got a CDO and a CAO and the conversations become about defense and offense, um, you know, so the analytics being that's the that's the attack. That's where we can go and kind of gain market share and the defenses around getting the foundations in place, getting our own house in order, making sure that we're not, you know, that we're compliant and we're not breaking any rules and, you know, we're not going to get hacked and all of that type of stuff. Um, have you seen much of, of that in terms of, you know, dealing with the organizations that you deal with? And, and if so, does does that kind of work better in terms of getting those teams working together? Because I guess, logistically i imagine whilst it's great you've got two very senior people with two different agendas that are trying to work together if that makes sense yeah so i haven't seen too many examples of where there is a separate um analytics officer and a separate data officer uh it's more common from from my experience in financial services at least where it's one person um, because it, it does get confusing, and I think there is uh, always a power play um, in terms of who is the stronger player. Is it the offensive side or defensive side? Um, so that's why I, I think um, ideally um, it, it should be under one role, under maybe falling under the you know, CIO perhaps, or it's a CDAO mm-hmm. persona. Um, and one, this makes it harder to actually find a qualified person to actually lead data management and analytics, because sometimes those are two very different um, skill sets and backgrounds. Um, analytics is someone you know who needs to know all you know the latest modeling and statistical um, programs and techniques versus a data management person is someone who knows more of the, you know, technical architecture and data architecture and just the right practices for, for best, you know, for data management. And those are, those are often two different types of careers that have maybe emerged together. So that's why it is one difficult to find one person that can uh, do both. It's, I like to call it a unicorn. <laughs> it's finding, finding a unicorn. Um, but, you know, in, I think organizations um, need to, to value, um, 
obviously the analytic side of it um, and doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily need to have a chief title for analytics officer I think any equivalent senior executive to really lead the analytics team um, but most importantly it is working closely um, collaboratively um, with the data data enterprise team um, and a lot of the mistakes that I've seen um, data analytics team make is the fact that they are recreating, um, du uh, duplicating a lot of the efforts that a data management team does, which is creating their own inventory uh, or catalog. They're doing their own data quality profiling of the work. Um, they spend more time seeking the data, talking to technology to find and understand the data rather than actually doing the analytics. So um, statistics, you know, say that they spend 80% of the time data wrangling is certainly true. Um, it holds, and, and that's because analytics teams are not allowing their data management team to do their work or, or they're not working closely enough with collaboratively enough with the data management team to allow them to do their work so that, um, you know, these are analytics people who, who hold PhDs or very high degrees, they shouldn't be doing, um, they should be focusing on the analytics and the higher value work and really letting the management teams focus on standardizing and cleansing the data and making and putting in the state that the analytics teams can use. So organizations um, need to understand the flow of the data value chain. Um, again, it's a mistake where organizations jump straight to the, the sexy part of it is just show me the analytics and forgetting, right? Forgetting the earlier parts, earlier stages, the value chain, which is um, data management. So again, similar similar problem that um, similar unfortunate, unfortunate results of, yeah. of focusing on the end result rather than um, the basic foundations. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uncanny because that conversation was almost identical to the one I had with Scott Taylor around, you know, the, the amount of time that uh, analytics professionals spend, you know, trying to find data and wrangling with data. And, you know, he obviously very vocal on this topic, but, you know, was kind of saying, well, if you're spending 80% of your time doing something that's not your job, then you know, the, the title that you've got probably isn't accurate, right? So I think there's there's evidently a need for much more collaboration um, within organizations to kind of work more effectively. Um, you, you know, because as you say, if a lot of analytics teams are duplicating things that have already been done and not spending their time doing the job that they're paid to do, then there you go. And obviously, you know, duplicating data and yeah. it goes back then the management team's got to try and sort that out and, and so on and so forth. So I guess what really fascinates me, Peggy, about all of this is we're having this conversation around how, Artificial intelligence is often seen as the sexy thing, the thing that most organizations jump to, to kind of go and try and obtain some value and, and often forget about putting those building blocks and foundations in place to make sure that the data that's coming in is going to, you know, what they get out of the other side is of absolute maximum value. Um, and I guess, you know, we're almost in this position where, you know, the, the whole governance and management and privacy piece is, is almost kind of seen as a bit of a, I guess, a bit of a regulation type of, you know, it's a policy thing. It's something that we have to do, whereas the analytics piece is seen as like, this is where the value is. And obviously, as we all know, that's not necessarily the case. But what fascinates me is obviously, 
you're working for a business where you're designing solutions now by using artificial intelligence to basically help businesses with that whole data governance management and privacy piece. So logic tells me that this can work together somehow, somewhere. Um, so it's just it's just fascinating. Um, I guess, have you got any, and I appreciate there's probably things that you can and can't say, but is there any examples of where this has worked really well in terms of what it's allowed an organization to, to do in terms of proving value? Um, certainly, I mean, I can speak very broadly in terms of our customers and, yep. you know, I mentioned in, in retail and um, in financial services industry where, you know, our ability, Big ID's ability to find data and classify it whether it's personal information or whether it's the company's crown jewels or their most um, confidential or critical data, we're, we're able to, to tag and label it um, in, in a way that, that can then be consumed by other downstream users, um, you know, a, a, a data team that, that needs to consume it. It's, it's already been labeled and classified for them properly. So again, just, Hitting on the fact that um, doing these fundamental data activities of first seeing all their data in one single place and having it classified is already, believe it or not, a game changer. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely, I absolutely uh, don't doubt that for a for a second, given the amount of organizations that I have to speak yeah. to. You know, um, it's already in itself a big leap, and then. That allows you know a data a data analyst or a data scientist to pick the more appropriate tables to use as sources for their models. Um, you know, being able to see in one place um, the quality of that data. And believe it or not, you know, data scientists they don't have access to um, the same tools that a data management team has. Shockingly, I mean, just because of licenses and things, they might not have access to the organization's data quality tool. So how will they actually know the quality, the completeness, the reliability of that data that they have to use for a model if they have no access to the data quality score? So they are just like disjointed ways. Um, again, comes down to the way that organizations are run and um, but also the fact that tools out there are so siloed and segmented. You know, you want to be able to have this catalog that's available to all your data consumers, that's a complete assets, and also um, has the data quality scores and profiles already in it. And that's what, again, Big ID is offering um, to our customers, our ability to one single place, service more types of data users, give them the information that they need to make better um, intelligent, you know, data decisions as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, makes complete sense in my mind as to why that would be something that would be very welcomed in the marketplace and, and very sought after, I guess. So, um, Peggy, it's been great speaking to you. I, I kind of get the feeling that we could probably, you know, go on and on for two or three hours on a few of these topics, but um, obviously time is of the essence. But before we kind of let you go, um, 
if anyone wants to reach out, is interested in kind of picking your brains on anything that we've discussed today, or maybe, you know, how the solutions that you're building at Big ID can maybe help their business, um, what's the best way for them to kind of get hold of you? Sure. So my email address is PeggyT at BigID.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter at Peggy underscore Psy. Um, so those are my social media contacts. So, I mean, I welcome all messages and inquiries and certainly anything that I've discussed today regarding um, Big ID. Love to have a conversation with you or else if you want to talk about, um, you know, the the state of data and privacy and uh, regulations today, love to have that conversation with anyone as well. Nice. Peggy, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure uh, having you on the, the show and um, we look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Thank you. Thank All you right. again for having me on this podcast. No problem. Thanks a lot, Peggy. Speak soon. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week.